Well, welcome. Uh, my name's David. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Um, um, happy Mother's Day to all you uh, moms for you kids that showed up today to make her happy. Good job. Um, hope you have a great uh, meal later uh, with with uh, with family. Uh, we are glad to have you here. Before we get into uh, the 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 sermon, though, I want to share with you some upcoming. Events. So if you have your bulletin, you want to pull that out and look with me on the back of that. You'll see that next Sunday we have a special uh, schedule. Next Sunday, a couple of important things happening. It's our confirmation Sunday, and there's 25 kids we have uh, being confirmed. You have a list of them there. I made two mistakes. Um, we'll be sending out a reformed list. Uh, 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 early this week, probably tomorrow, uh, but they will be confirmed in the 1030 service. We are only having two services next week, 830, 1030. 1030 is a confirmation uh, service, 25 kids. The sermon is going to be boom. All right. So if, if you want a regular worship service, 830 would be your, uh, your service to go to. But along with that, Following confirmation at 10.30, we have some uh, kids that are going to be baptized out at Light on the Hill at Mount Wesley, so we invite you to join us out there. We'll, we'll uh, announce that again next week. But important milestone in their life. We're going to do similar to what we're doing with Liz and Janelle uh, and Gabby. Uh, we will have bags out for each of those kids. Uh, we'll have cards out for them. We're providing the list to you early so you have a chance uh, this is a milestone in their life. This is that age within our tradition when you raise your hand to say, I, I've been coming to church and I, I, because my parents brought me, but I am choosing to follow Jesus. And so uh, we, we just want to help uh, mark that along with them for that. That afternoon, next Sunday afternoon, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, we will be having a retirement party for um, Pastor Donna. She will be with us through uh, through most of June, but we wanted to have a, a party for her before summer came and people go for vacation and everything. Three to five, everyone is invited. Fellowship Hall, there's going to be good food and uh, good fellowship, and uh, we're honoring uh, a great pastor. So I uh, encourage you to come for that. Uh, look this week for information uh, for... Uh, uh, a foundation fund that's been set up for them as a way for you to say thank you for the ministry uh, that, that her and Dan have brought to this church. We'll send those details out this this week. And then uh, finally, the 22nd, the Sunday after that, we will be recognizing our high school seniors. Uh, we'll have their names for you uh, next week so you can prepare for that. Um, a lot of events happening, uh, special moments within our church. And so thank you for your thoughtfulness in that and for your support of that. And then you might have seen the blood mobile out here uh, this morning. Uh, we were we had a blood drive. Uh, all the spots filled up for that. So that's fantastic. We'll look at doing it again. But that's a need in our community. And, and once again, uh, Kerrville First United Methodist Church is a, a church of givers. So thank you for that. We are, uh, we are in a series that we uh, are, are calling He is Risen Indeed. And in that, what we're doing is just taking a deep dive from the resurrection story, from the events of Easter, that event that is the foundation of, 
of what we believe, of what we follow, of, of, uh, of our hope. Uh, the idea that God uh, so loved the world that he sent his only son who came, taught, pulled back the, the, the veil on what God looks like, what he talks like, who he loves, how he interacts, what he wants, and w- how he would interact in our world through his son, Jesus Christ. And for a life lived like that, he was rewarded with religious leaders hating him, uh, political adversaries uh, persecuting him. It led to his arrest, beating, humiliation, crucifixion, death, and burial. But he didn't stop there. He is raised from the dead, and we believe that God is alive, and he is present with us. Uh, we, that sets us apart from other world religions. Certainly they have their beliefs around an afterlife and stuff and reincarnation and things like that. But we believe that God present with us now, who lives within us, will raise us with him also and that we will have everlasting life with him. So as we look at that this morning, though, we've been doing this. Uh, so all that we've been doing since Easter has been uh, telling stories from the gospel uh, that happened between the time of Jesus' death and before they were sure he was risen. And I think that's been so valuable to us because for, for so many times we, we will, we'll hit Easter and we'll hit the message of the resurrection and then we jump to the go tell everybody about it and we miss this period of indecision and this period of, of fear and doubt. Up until now, the, in all of the stories that we read, the common experiences of the resurrection were doubt, Fear and grief. That's, that's different than what we usually talk about, isn't it? We, we want the hallelujah and the joy and everything, but there, there was this gap between him dying and then him being seen that left people unsure. And we'll continue next week and we'll be, we'll remind ourselves that even when he was seen, some believed and some doubted. Doubt is one of those things that we don't often talk about in the church. It's like it's a dirty word in church. And, and many of us grew up in a time and a place where you were told, don't ask questions, just believe. Right? I remember as a kid in VBS in third grade. And I was not the kid you wanted in your VBS in third grade or your Sunday school class or anything else. Teachers quit because of me. If they were, if they had been teaching for 50 years, they were retired as I matriculated into the the next level. I was just one of those hard kids to, to get along with. But I remember in VBS and we always did, uh, scripture memory and, you know, you'd have the scarf and then you'd get the little pins and everything. And I always could memorize scripture and stuff, but just memorizing scripture didn't answer the questions for me. And so I remember at, at one point having a talk about the resurrection and I was pushing on my teacher and I was like, yeah, but how do we know? And, and who, I mean, we, we heard the story of people, but how do we know? And what is that, What happens when you get to heaven? And how do we even know there's a heaven? And, and I just kept pushing and I, my teacher was just, you know, and she finally said, just shut up and believe. 
And unfortunately, I, I, if we had a show of hands, I mean, a whole lot of us grew up here in that, right? Don't ask questions. Don't, and, and, and it's, it's funny because the church almost operates as if, if we don't, if we don't protect the story, if we don't make sure everybody's on the same page, that somehow the throne of God's going to topple down because of our misinformation and our misbelief. That somehow our doubt or our telling of the story in a way that's not right, that somehow that's going to put God in jeopardy. But I don't think so. God is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. He always has been. He always will be. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He doesn't need our defense, and He is big enough to handle our questions. I don't know if you've doubted. If I had to place a wager, I would say every one of us has. But it's not something we talk freely about because it's been set up in church circles that if you admit doubt, you're admitting, you're admitting a weakness in your faith. And we all like to try to pretend that we have everything together when we come here. That's why you have your fake smile and your fake clothes and everything else as we come here because, oh yes, the Lord is with me. God bless you, brother and sister, and we'll go home and then we'll fight when we get there. But do you have questions and doubts? One of the favorite ones in my family, do dogs go to heaven? What does it look like? Do you go immediately from this life into the next life? Is it just a story that was told to make believers feel good about themselves? Can we count on a life here and after? And what's it going to look like? What kind of body am I going to have? What age group am I going to be in when I get to heaven? (laughs) Is it going to be the good-looking skinny David or the old out-of-shape fat David? Which one gets to live in heaven? Right? We have all sorts of questions. And that's just around the, the afterlife. If we start opening the question to doctrinal understandings and beliefs, then the, the misunderstanding and the lack of knowledge is immense. I think I've said before, the more I know God, the more I know I don't know about God. The more, I, I, the more you are in His presence and in the immenseness of who He is, the more you understand He is beyond anything we can comprehend. If, if this morning you're sitting there 100% sure of your beliefs and your faith, I, I, I challenge you. I say you need some cold water on your face and drink some coffee and wake up because none of us have this thing completely figured out. Doubts are a part of the story. It always has been. We're, we're going to read from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, Gospel of John chapter 20. This is the end of the Gospel of John's Easter morning. We read the beginning of chapter 20. That's the resurrection story at the, at the, at the tomb. And then we read about Mary Magdalene seeing who she thought was the gardener uh, that was Jesus. And now we go to the next part, and it's verse 19. And I don't think I have the first part on here, Dylan. So I'll, I'll tell you when your, your comes up. This first part won't be on the, the screen. That Sunday evening, so the night of 
the morning of resurrection, it's that same day, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Okay, Dylan, now now you're with me. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. He said, and then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here and look at my hand. Put your hand at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So following that night, uh, each week, the stories we've been remembering are happening in this period between his death and the knowledge of him uh, being risen from the dead. It's a time of lack of information and lack of belief. It's one of the reasons, uh, to me, the, the sort of weird stuff in the Bible helps me to understand that it's true. Uh, there are a couple things in this story. It begins that the heroes of our story, the disciples, those who are going to take the word of God out, following the crucifixion, following when a leader needs to step up for this movement, they're hiding in a room, afraid of what's going to happen to them. The other thing that is telling is that this group of believers who were the closest to Jesus who spent time with him and ate with him and heard from him and lived with him and camped with him and traveled with him and were taught by him and heard him say how many times he was going to have to die and be risen from the dead. And the scripture told it and everything else. And on Sunday morning, not there was no one. I want you to hear this. On Sunday morning, the morning of the resurrection, there was no one waiting outside the tomb going, here he comes. Ten. Nine, eight, seven, six, get this, Peter, five, four. No, none of them believe that. See, in the rush, we never talk about that. 
in the rush to get to the story that he's there and it's real. And a lot of times pastors on Easter, you know, the old saying is you see people at Easter, you're going to see before. So we don't want to, we don't want you to doubt. So we're going to hit the highlights and send you out. But in that we don't hit reality. And the reality is this stuff's hard to believe. Even the people who knew him best didn't believe. I find that fascinating. They didn't believe. At this point, the number one reaction about Jesus' death and resurrection was fear, doubt, and grief. Not, Not very inspirational. They're hiding because... You know, now Jesus has been killed and if they got the leader, they're probably coming after the followers next. So they're, they're hiding out. There's a group of them in a room. <coughs> and Jesus appears to them. We don't know much about resurrection bodies other than from what we've been reading, we know that, uh, that you look different enough that people didn't recognize Jesus until he wanted them to. And now we add to it that he had the Star Trek thing going and could just beam into a room at some point when he wanted to. And I'm going to give up that joke. It hasn't worked in any... That has not gone over in any service. But he just appears in the room. And the first words out of his mouth are, Peace be... Now, just that phrase, I've been reflecting on peace be with you. Why is that as greeting? I think part of it is like when the angel shows up, do not be afraid, right? Jesus walks into the room with some guys who are afraid and doubting and sad and and feeling shame because they knew they had run out on their friend. They knew they hadn't lived up to the people even they wanted to be. And the first thing he says is peace be with you. Now, for me, what I hear in that is an echo of what Paul teaches in in Ephesians chapter 2. Once you were an enemy of God and you used to live the way of the world, but now through the grace of God's mercy and grace, through His Son, Jesus Christ, you have been made right with Him and you are no longer at war or enmity with Him. He is now your there's no longer this battle between the, the unholy part of me and the holiness of God. There is a peace. I would argue that you could, you could use peace as a synonym for salvation. That salvation is the doing away of enmity between you and God so that now you can live in peace together. And I think that's exactly why Jesus says it as he walks in the room to some guys that are scared to death, feeling ashamed and unsure and broken. He walks in the room and he says, peace be with you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not coming to get you. I'm not here to ask where you were this morning. I'm not here to chide you for, for, not, for not showing up for my emergence party. Peace be with you. And then he, he shows them. They didn't ask, but they still saw. We, we often skip that part too. They saw. They got to see. He said, see, look, it's me. 
And then he gave them a commission in the Gospel of John. This is like the Great Commission in Matthew. It's going to all the world. But in, in the Gospel of John, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit and now go do ministry in my name. And then he disappears. They run, they run and find Thomas. I don't know where Thomas was. Not everyone was together and maybe Thomas didn't want to be in a group of all of them because if there was a raid, he didn't want to be caught up in it. I don't, I don't know the story, but he wasn't with them. But when they told him, Thomas, we've seen the Lord, he said exactly what we would say. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Man, Tom, poor Thomas. Been stuck with it. What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. Man, go back a couple chapters. He was courageous, Thomas. When Jesus was going to return to Jerusalem and all the other disciples were saying, we're not going, it's too dangerous. Thomas is the one that's saying, if Jesus is going, I'm going with him. And if we die, we die. Why don't we call him courageous Thomas? No, we got to pick his worst moment, doubting Thomas. And I, I have heard so many sermons where we beat people up that doubting is bad and da 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 da. But Thomas, his reaction was the same as everyone else's. He just wasn't present in the room when they got to see. And he was honest enough to say, I need to see it to believe it. Eight days later. This time they're all together and Jesus again appears in the room. Peace be with you. And you would expect, if, if God gets angry when we doubt, then you would expect Jesus to then say, okay, you happy now, Thomas? These other guys, you know, they, at least they stayed together. There's, there's none of that. And, and I think you can, you can read this and, and add uh, sarcasm into it or, or add chiding into it, but I don't hear that in this. Jesus does what we saw him do in ministry his entire, his entire life. And that's in the room, the person that needed him the most, he was drawn to them. And how many times in the Gospels do we see Jesus drawn to the person who needs him the most? Walking down the road, crowds all over the place, Zacchaeus, a tax collector, hated by the Jewish community, trying to just get a glimpse of him. No one else had noticed him. And had they, they would have run him out of town. Jesus is drawn immediately to him. Coming into town at a well in Samaria, a woman sitting there that most people, if they paid any attention to her, it was just to turn away from her and talk about her and talk about her to each other. Jesus, instead of talking about her, talked to her for one of the longest conversations we have in Scripture with him and, and anyone. Jesus has this way of wanting and responding to the person in the room who needed him the most. And he makes a beeline over to Thomas. And at least John uses his other nickname here, Thomas Didymus, which is Thomas the twin. He makes a beeline over to Thomas and says, look, go ahead, put your fingers. Go ahead, put your hand in my side. And here's the part we screw around. And then he said, 
Thomas says, I believe. And Jesus said, well, blessed are you for believing, but blessed are those who will not see and yet believe. And we turn that into, well, okay, you, well, you, you're going to get a couple blessings. And then the other people who believe, they're going to get all the blessings. And that's not what he means at all. Everyone's blessed in knowing that he's risen from the dead. Here's what he was saying, I think. Blessed are those who can believe without seeing. For eight days, Thomas had been wondering and living with that angst and that unsuredness where had he been able to accept it, there would have been a blessing in his life that would have gone for more, that would have been better than the last eight days he's been experiencing. And for those of us living life now, Jesus isn't mad at you for not believing or, or having doubt. But what he says to us is, blessed are those who are just able to accept who I am. Blessed are those who have the faith of a child. At one point, the disciples come to him. Jesus, Jesus is saying, if you only had faith, you could, you could do great things. And they say, if you only believed. And they said, Jesus, we do believe. Can you help us with our unbelief? It's not that you're not blessed even when you're doubting. It's, it's the longer you live in the awareness of who God is, the more blessing you have. Thomas needed to see. And touch. And, and, and part of that blessing, blessed are those who are not going to see and yet believe, Jesus was saying a blessing over each of us. Because we don't get to put our hands in His hands and our hand in His side. But it doesn't mean we don't have experience. If we were able to pass a microphone around and I, I, I just ask you to share, is there ever been a time in your life where you have been sure that God was present with you? The story, everyone would have a story. And, you, and, and most of us would have many stories. And some of them would be in times of triumph and joy, like uh, the, the birth of a, of a new child or grandchild or the, the beautiful panorama of, of nature or something like that. Others, it would be in the midst of tragedy when all else seemed to fail and God showed up in a way in your life that you couldn't help but think, He's with me. We all have those experiences. I mean, that's what God does. He's always trying to to let us know, I'm here, I'm here. He's he's closer than we think. We believe because of what we have received. And what we have received begins with His revelation in this book of who He is and what He was doing. We also have revelation through the stories of the saints and the witness of and testimony of people who have followed Him. I am drawn closer to God because I have heard testimony of others that have helped me to understand that God is not just something going on in my mind, but others are having experiences of Him as well. It's also my own experience has helped me to understand who God is. And then the more I get to know God, the more I, the less I know the detail of everything He wants, but the more I am sure that my mind can now even go to a place where I believe in what I can't see. 
Blessed are those who believe even though they don't see. I, I just want you for a minute to think about all the things you've seen. But even in that, I don't want you to leave here feeling like, man, I really got to work on my faith. I got to, come on. If anything, here's what I want you to hear. Believing and doubting are both human experiences. And God didn't chide anyone for doubting. In fact, he was drawn to the person in the room with the most doubt. And if this morning you have some doubts or questions, good for you. Number one, I think, for those who have the ability to just go to a place in their mind and say, okay, I believe it, that's not a gift I have. But if you have that, blessings on you. And you've got that, you've got that godly character in you. But for others, if the questions get too much sometimes, just know God's still on your side. He's drawn to you because his desire is that all people would come to know him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And too many times we make the world, the world a generic thing that we think people in general. But no, the way the scriptures describe Jesus, it's the world with people in specific that are names and personalities. And every single one of us, his greatest desire is that you know and can receive the blessing of knowing that he's risen from the dead. This uh, this last week we were in Colorado for Lori's mom's funeral and um, she wanted me to pass along thank you to to the many who have uh, been praying our thoughts and, and, and cards and everything. Thank you so much for that. Um, but I, I bring that up to... to to just demonstrate what I think uh, we need to help people understand more. Um, Echo is her mom's name. The best way I can describe her is she was a force, uh, sometimes for good and sometimes for evil. But um, (laughs) she she was a force. And, and, I mean, she grew up in church. She, she, She believed in Christ. She was dedicated to her faith. She was, she, she served in the church. Uh, I learned things about her from the service. I, I, I learned that for more than 20 years, she uh, volunteered not as a Sunday school teacher, but as a Sunday school teacher, uh, as a Sunday school greeter for the second graders. For 20 years, her only job was to stand at the door and get to know the kids. And then as she got to know them over the years, she'd write them birthday cards and all that. So anytime any of you come with to me with that stupid story, I've, I don't have a way to serve the church. Baloney. Can you stand and smile? I guess for some of you that is hard, but. <laughs> but anyway, so a woman of faith and, 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 and has been through tragedy and all that kind of stuff. A woman of faith and, and Echo is, uh, Echo's my mother-in-law. I'm reminded of another woman that was influential in my life. Her, uh, her name was Lee Means. When we first moved to Texas, uh, she was, 
She was my first principal, and she and, and she was another one of those sort of force presences in 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 Harlingen, and she was also the head of the SPRC committee uh, that hired me as youth director. And then, as I went back uh, eight years later as senior pastor of the church, I used to be youth director, and she was the head of SPRC. She she was one of those that never had an opinion that didn't come out of her mouth, and it was happy to tell me all the things I was doing wrong and ministry, but she was always there for me. And I mean, some of you would have loved her because she would always come up and go, tuck your shirt in. You look sloppy. (laughs) And I'll tell you the same thing I told her, mind your own business. But But the reason I bring those two women up, two of the strongest personality women I have. Lee grew up, her, her dad was a pastor. Echo grew up in the church. The question of their knowledge of God, their experience of God, their desire to follow God, it's hard to argue against. And yet, for both of these women in the last days of their life, were scared to death of dying. Scared to death of dying. And see, too many times we, we sort of scold people for that. But I wanted to share that with you this morning to let you know that just like Echo and Lee and the disciples who knew him best, doubt is a normal thing. God is big enough to handle your doubt and your questions. I love that he's a gentleman. I love that he doesn't force himself on us. He presents himself and then allows us to believe or doubt. I want you to bow with me. And just real quick, if there is something that sort of gets in the way of your your understanding, I, I invite you to just sort of name it. And if you were in a room of believers and you raised your hand and said, I have this question and everyone else turned around and stared at you like you did something wrong. I think Jesus would be the one that gets out of his seat and comes and sits next to you. God, we are so thankful for your patience and grace with us that there is a peace in our relationship that you extend to us even when we don't think right or believe right. Even when we question and doubt that your love and grace are still there. We are like your, your followers. Lord, we believe, but help us in our unbelief. Continue to, to reveal yourself to us. Continue to draw us closer. We pray that in the powerful name of the risen Lord. Amen.